This is the Jay Che Show, brought to you by Karate Beyond. Discipline, focus, confidence. KarateBeyond.com. Let's begin. That's a good idea. Boom. And we're recording uh, Jay Che Show, episode 20. You are the test subject for uh, our video. <laughs> Say hi to the audience. Hello. You picked a real ugly test subject. I'm <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> well, uh, Nate Fleming, you are uh, with Swan City Improv. That's correct. You guys have been on my radar, radar for a bit. Uh, I love sketch comedy. I love improv comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, some of my favorite uh, things to watch are stand-up specials yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, um, yeah. And a uh, recent one that I watched, which I thought was... Is brilliant is uh, um, Dave Chappelle's yes. latest the the yes. the two equanimity the two and the bird something right yeah yeah the yeah. aviary or something right something. right some some bird something yeah but it was brilliant yeah I it was so good I am a huge fan of his bit where he tells you what the punchline is and oh then right he goes through and tells you the joke <laughs> and then he uses the same punchline and it's still an incredible and joke. he caps it with yeah. the punchline yeah. yeah 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 he's he's genius yeah. The guy is genius. Um, I would love to see him live. That I would love is. to see him, and not not like live, as in go to you know like what would be his special, right? Yeah. But just to see him work, right? Like at a small, you know, like a comedy cellar or something. Just or, him developing his bits yeah, and developing his, his bits, and and from what I understand, he can go on for hours. He did a four hour set one time, I believe. I'm pretty sure, and then uh, I think Chris Rock left halfway through because he's like, no one needs to be watching comedy for four. He did a 30-minute orange juice bit. <laughs> it's a long time to do a bit about orange juice. Right. So, But, I mean, I, I, would, I would imagine that uh, him doing – I mean, that's, that's workout for him. That's exercise for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, he's working his material out. I mean, you know, I'm sure some of it will be funny and some of it will just fall flat on its face. And yeah. But, you know – that's how they do it, right? It, it's such a difficult thing because I, I also do stand-up. I haven't done it in a couple of months, actually. I just took a break from it. Uh, I did shoot a special last year here in Lakeland. It was okay. a very, very small affair. It's it's on Amazon Prime. It's Yours called, is? Mine is, yeah. It's okay. called Papa Don't Take No Mess. I'd say it's decent. I'm not going to trumpet it as like, it's the best thing I've ever done because it's also the only thing I've ever done. <laughs> but I'm in the process of writing a new one because I've done it once, so now I know how to do it again. But the yeah. whole, the work is, it's so punishing because sometimes you'll, You'll do an open mic and they'll really receive the jokes you do. Uh-huh. And you'll do the same jokes next week at the same open mic and the jokes don't work. Don't at work. All. The room might be different or the vibe is different exactly. or something's, yeah. Something is different. The variables are, uh, and I've never done stand up comedy. I've done um, uh, like some stage work, I guess, but uh-huh. it was all scripted. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't imagine. It, yeah. It's super fun when you get it right and it's, for me right now, it's very often that I get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it since I was eight years old. So oh. I started at, at eight and I did a show for not the Star Search, but my school's version of Star Search. Okay, all right. Where at the end of that, every, everybody got a chance to perform and mostly it was girls singing Britney Spears songs like <laughs> Give Me Baby One More Time or uh, or This Kiss. Like this oh kiss, this God. kiss. Like... So it's, it's mostly that and then a couple people doing uh, Who Let the Dogs Out. And at the mm-hmm. very end, every single performer got together and sang... Um, 
a very like this patriotic American medley mm-hmm. of a whole bunch of different America songs together. Uh, so that's like that's okay. the star search I did it in. I did five minutes of jokes from a joke book that my great uncle had given me, uh-huh. and I picked the jokes I liked the most. Right. I put them together, memorized them, and I have the set on VHS actually. So they nice. re- they record it for everybody and sell VHS tapes afterwards. The so VHS tape of the first time I did stand up, and <laughs> it's still my best work. I'm just chasing that high. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? I am 27. 27. All right, 27 young buck. All right, real uh, young. Where, where are you from? I'm born and raised in Virginia. Okay. Uh, moved down here. It was right outside of Richmond, Virginia, in Powhatan. Moved down here for college in 2010. Went to Southeastern. Okay. Uh, after Southeastern, I moved to Los Angeles and worked for CBS Films for a little bit. Nice. Were you on Radford? I was not on Radford. Where were you at? I was... Um, I was the in other there, studio off of like not in Century City. Uh, where is it? Um, in Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yep, I was okay. in Santa Monica, so I was working yeah. in their film division and acquisitions. So I would read scripts and let them know, like, hey, this is a good one or this is a bad one, and write up. What all years were you out there? Just the tail end of 2013. Oh, so okay, after that pretty, was done, pretty fresh. Yeah, still yeah. super fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tail end of 2013. So after that was done, I moved back down here and I worked for Victory Church for a little while. Okay. And then realized that church isn't really my thing after right. working for a church for so long. So then I uh, moved up to Chicago to do comedy. So I was in Chicago for two years, and I just moved back down here in November. Did you uh, were you, were you with a troupe up there or or theater or no? I went through Second City's Conservatory program. Okay. I played at I O. Uh, I played at Annoyance. I did a couple of sketch shows up there. Did a one man show. Uh, I performed with comedy sports and had a couple different indie teams I was a part of. Mm-hmm. There was one called Breakfast of Champions that performs every Monday night at Improv Olympic that okay. I was performing with. Nice. So just about every night I was trying to get my feet wet in some sort of performance opportunity. Right. Super fun. Okay. Okay. Super. So fun. all right. So so let's walk it back. So you grew up in Virginia, and then uh, did you did you go to school for theater or or no? Uh, or did you go to university or, or, or anything? Or what? In in the classes I took in high school, mm-hmm. I was in theater. So okay. there, there's that moment where everyone has to choose. Do you want to do band? Do you want to do sports? Or do you want to do theater? Right. So I did band until I was able to do theater because okay. it wasn't until high school that they had more theater productions. So in uh-huh. high school, I did theater all four years uh, as much as I could. I was in theater. And then I joined comedy sports in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was... Almost 13 years ago that I started, that's when I started learning improv. Okay. And started playing with comedy sports for a year in their high school league. So every single Saturday I would travel into Richmond, the city, and I'd play with a bunch of other high schoolers and we'd put on a show for like the four people who would show up in the audience. Mm -hmm. And then you were able to stay later and work to watch the adults play. So I was both, I would go to class at comedy sports you have like an hour of class where they just teach you new techniques and then you would do the show uh-huh. and then you would watch all the adults play right after so i just for 52 weeks i had a master class of i'm learning from someone who knows how to play i'm then putting it in action myself and then i'm watching people better than me play right so it was just that super super helped figure out how to play improv and then when i came to southeastern i went here for film got it so i did film okay. studies down here so so you went from virginia to, but you said Los Angeles. so Los Angeles was after Southeastern. After Southeastern. Mm-hmm. Okay, got so it. So I came so down th- here for film and uh-huh. then went to Los Angeles. Okay, so uh, w- w- tell me about your experience in L.A. Oh, it was super fun. I was so poor. I ate hot dogs <laughs> and ramen all the time. Uh, I lived near the Grove, so I was right okay. near Camaro all right. in all right. um, the, what is it called? The Park at La Brea. That's yeah, where I was. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. where I was living. So I was on oh, like, the 12th floor. Baller. Baller, Park of La Brea. That was expensive, man. It is expensive, but when you have six dudes living in an apartment, okay, all right. So you, okay, all right, got it. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. guys were stacked <laughs> on top of each other. <laughs> we really were, but no bunk beds, just one bed that we all would stack on top. No, I'm just uh. kidding. 
<laughs> we had separate yeah. beds. Okay. All right. So six of you guys. And did you know any of them prior to going to LA, or did you said, "Hey, you know what? I'm just gonna go to Craigslist because I need I need a, a, a couch." Oh man, Craigslist would have been so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still I still don't trust Craigslist at all. <laughs> uh, but no, it was part of a co-op with a bunch of different colleges. So you can go there to get. Uh, a certification after you have your degree. Right. So I was also taking one or two classes during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like certain days I was working for CBS Films and certain days I was taking classes. So it was through that co-op that you essentially pay what is a, basically a tuition mm-hmm. to go to this place. Mm-hmm. And then you have your, your housing covered, but not your food. So oh. that's why I was eating up some hot dogs and ramen and buying cheese to make ramen macaroni and cheese because uh-huh. macaroni and cheese hey, was too expensive. Wait a minute. Right, right across from Park Lurie, there wasn't the Earth Cafe right there? Or who, what was that little cafe? That's like I, I, rem- I picture it and I've been Earth there. Earth Cafe. Ah, oh, gosh. It was a, like a brunch joint that was like right across the street from Park Lurie, I want to say. It, it might be the Earth Cafe. I All I remember is the Grove. Okay. Like I just, yeah. I super remember going to the Grove to grab um, something from the Chiriscadia. Uh-huh. Uh, the Brazilian, like you can pay $10 to just get a whole bunch of food. Right. And they had little guava pastries. So uh-huh. inside, uh-huh. I yeah. would just load up on guava pastries, really. Right. And yeah. then a little bit of meat and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, it's Disney, Disney World, the Grove. Yeah. Right. Because it's like it feels like a theme park. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. And it's really nice. And they've got that tram or that trolley train thing that goes around. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it, yeah. there's no need for it to be there. No. Because there's no can, need for that. You can walk the whole thing in maybe ten minutes. Like right. Maybe. But the trolley will drive you there yeah. if you don't want to walk. And it's packed. Oh God. Packed. Always, Always packed. Yeah. Right. That the, the movie theater there especially that helps it out. Yeah. Um. Okay. So so you were in L.A. Uh, for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still studying, yeah. uh, still in school, and then um, then you moved to here. Yep, moved right? back down here, yeah. and I was working for Victory Church. So I was their video production specialist, I think is the okay. term that they gave me. Yeah, And I did that for, I think it was four months, and I was done with it. And then eight months in, I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I quit. I don't want to okay. do not do this anymore. It's pretty grueling to work for a church. Because it's a, I it's hear a weekly that. output. I hear that, yeah. So they, they haven't really figured out a way to kind of take care of the people who work for them and also have a good product. Mm. So uh, I was... I've heard that too. Yeah. It's, You're not the first person to tell me that, actually, on this show. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's just a bad formula, mm. really. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. most of the people are burnt out, except for the people who are at the top who are making ridiculous amounts of money mm. off of the free volunteer labor. Because you're doing it for God. <laughs> Is what they say. Like, right. You don't need to get paid. You're doing this. You're doing right. this for God. But I mean, it's a business. It is. But they when don't run it like a business. When you're accepting money mm-hmm. and you're using that money for your livelihood as well as um, the congregation, of course, and the yeah. grounds and the facilities and all the infrastructure that goes uh, into having a church, man, it's a, that's a lot of money being thrown around. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's tough. So it just it burned me out. So I was like, mm. I, I can't kind of burned me out from doing both video production stuff and from just working at churches. So right. I kind of, you know, uh, John Sierra. Yeah. I know John Sierra. Yeah, he yeah, works yeah. at a catapult. I walk yeah, past yeah, him. Yeah. When yeah. I go yeah, to yeah, yeah. John was on the show. He's a good friend of mine. I listened uh, to a little excellent, bit of that one, yeah. excellent artist. He's so awesome. That's so I mean, cool. his work is tremendous. Um, but anyway, okay. So, so now, uh, tell me about Swan City Improv. Yeah. So, uh, when I was living here working for Victory and I was I was here for maybe two years in that stint of being in Lakeland again, mm-hmm. I started teaching students at a middle school that a friend of mine taught at. I 
taught them how to play improv because they had a competition coming up. Mm -hmm. So I went in and taught them the basics of how to play and they ended up doing really, really well in their state competition. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Chicago and after I did, they had a theater production they were putting on. They wanted to do a fundraiser. The most inexpensive way to do it is improv because you don't Mm -hmm. have to write anything. You don't have to pay for costumes. You just have everybody show up, they play, and then people pay to come watch it. Whose line is it anyway? It's the same thing as whose line is it anyway. No different. Just small little theater games. So I I was like, hey, I'll I'll fly back down. I'll coach them for a little bit, and we'll all put on the show together. I'll even Mm -hmm. play with them. It ended up being a really, really fun show. And before I flew down, I called a local venue that had just opened up Lakeland Live like in November, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Because there really weren't that many venues to be able to perform in when I was down here originally. And I'd been trying so many times to get an improv team started. So I just called him and said, hey, do you mind if I put an improv show up in your venue? And Shane Lawler is the guy who took a risk. He was like, yeah, I, I didn't pay him anything for it. I was just mm-hmm. like, you you can just keep ticket sales. I'm not worried about making money. I just want to put up a show. Right. So I called a bunch of friends after getting the venue who I played with down here. And we had a team of about nine. I had a buddy of mine fly in from Pittsburgh. Her name is Becca LeCox. She does theater up in Pittsburgh. So she flew down. Because her family was having vacation. We put up the show. We ended up selling out. We had only nice. standing room only. Okay. So uh, Shane was like, hey, would you guys like to put up another one? Like, <laughs> would you like to make this a thing? Would you like to make it-, it monthly? He's British. I love yeah. his accent. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was like, yeah, of course. So I'm still living in Chicago at the time. And I fly down every single month for about a year and a half at the beginning of the month to put up the show, to perform with them. And we slowly grew it. We moved to First Fridays, and we've been growing ever since. We've nice. got a logo. We yeah, yeah, branded yeah. ourselves. It's so, great. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aaron um, Burns is the genius behind that one. The, uh, people don't understand how hard improv can be. Yeah. I mean, to be funny is it's 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 harder. Like uh, they they look at um, actors right, or they yeah. watch film and think that uh, doing dramatic. All right, doing dramatic acting is is uh, is a hard thing to do, which it is. It which is. It, it's difficult. Yeah, but it pales in comparison to doing comedy and being funny, getting making a good someone comedy. laugh. Right, getting a good comedy. So that's why we don't have that many great comedies. Like, mm-hmm. if you sit down and think of great comedies, there's not that many that you would personally think of because everyone has their own idea of what a great comedy. What is. a great comedy it's is. Yeah. Super different from the next person. Yeah, and and uh, it's one of those things too. Like, uh, if it, when it comes to um, uh, uh, comedy like films right yeah oh, like yeah. for instance uh, I, I, uh, I think back to like uh, not recently but I mean it's relatively re- like Anchorman yeah it's still I mean it's, that's that's old okay it is old 2004 I think it does not hold up really? <laughs> it doesn't hold up anymore I don't I don't think so I, I think it's because you the, the laughs were so good yeah right that um, it's one of the things like, oh, yeah, this has kind of got dated as well. Wow, I haven't watched it in a long time. I, I mean, I saw clips of it on uh, Facebook recently. I mean, it's still funny. Yeah. Right? Uh, who was it? Um, uh, the lead character, Ron Burgundy. Uh, uh, Will Ferrell. Name. Will Ferrell. He's yeah. incredibly funny. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, and just looking at the guy, you just want to laugh. Um, but <laughs> but it's like uh, but it's like uh, that where like, you take it further back, like Caddyshack. Yeah. Right? Like certain... Caddyshack or, is still great. It's still great. But it's not okay. Better example: okay. Jim Carrey, uh, Pet Detective, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah. Right? I remember being in high school seeing yeah. that film. I thought it was hilarious then. I mean, uh-huh. the entire theater was just dying. <laughs> and then I, I watched it. Uh, I don't know, like some clips of it recently, and I was like, "Oh, 
This really wasn't that funny. I mean, maybe because my tastes have changed. Probably, right? Yeah, right? Or, or it's it's like it was like slapstick comedy. Would you like? Oh, maybe the kids, maybe kids would like it, right? But probably. have you ever seen uh, any of the Naked Gun movies with Leslie? Yes, Houston? yes. I watch those almost like it's a religion. They, really, they are still extremely funny to me. But at the same time, part of it feels like very like dated humor, oh, kind of right. I don't know. There yeah. are there are references that are dated that I don't super get, and the fact that O.J. Simpson is in it is super weird. <laughs> like O.J. Simpson is the supporting actor. He has a pretty large role in all three movies. Yes. He does, and I think this. He is was funny too. Super funny, yeah. But this was before before he everything uh, got accused of, or did or did. I have no idea. That's a, that's a whole interesting. Yeah, that's got so much more to it than just. I remember being in college it. and 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 seeing that, going, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah, they're chasing OJ on the freeway. He's his buddy's driving him. Why? I mean, and uh, I mean, my classroom or the the campus was just transfixed to the TV, you know, watching that moment happen. It was crazy to see someone that popular, that famous to be in the middle of something like this. Right. I mean, because he was loved. Yeah. O.J. Simpson was loved. Oh, yeah. I mean, the public loved him. I mean, you know, obviously film. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then this happened. You're like, oh, oh, man. It's and darkness. It, it became a lot more than. Uh, it was more than just a court case. So a lot, there's a lot of dramatizations about it now and documentaries mm-hmm. dissecting it. But essentially, it, it happened around the time that uh, all the whole the Rodney King stuff was happening. So right. it, was, it was less of a court case about the events that actually transpired mm-hmm. and more of a statement on the global scale about uh, the state of America in the face of racism. So mm-hmm. it, it became less about that court case and more of can we get a black man who we know did it to go free is mm. almost what it feels like that was the goal there. Mm. Cause most black men in America, even today don't even get to set foot in a courtroom. They don't survive long enough to get into a courtroom, no matter what the crime is. Like at any moment, there's a good book by Tanisi goats called between the world and me. And he discusses the whole time that it's, it's weird to be a black man in America because you still don't have agency over your own body. Mm. It can be taken from you at any time for any reason at all. He tells a story of a gentleman who was a very wealthy guy, business owner, loved in his community. He was pulled over in a traffic stop and ended up getting shot and died. So like it was, and it's because he was a black man. So in that moment, you're no longer a person. You're just another black man. And to st- statistically or the way people feel, the way we're taught, the way we're ingrained is that if you see a black man in the middle of a crime, it's no longer a person. Hence, Whoa. it's that that is a criminal that you have to do something to correct. So the whole court case was, oh, now we have a black individual who's there. And you could you can watch interviews of people who are like who are black Americans and they're asked, did OJ do it? And they would say no even though every single one of them, everyone knows O.J. Simpson did it. Mm. There's not a soul on this planet who doesn't think that O.J. Simpson didn't do it. It's just the fact that I'm going to say he didn't because this is my chance to prove to you that your justice system is broken and maybe you'll see it. Wow. So wow. It was, it's like a bigger, more interesting thing. Mm. So I, I, know, uh, I don't know enough of it, but from what I hear, that there is a disconnect when it comes to if you are white and you're in the court system versus if you are black and you're in the court system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
there's a huge difference between the two because a, a lot of the the laws still have i mean the law most of our laws that deal with the court system that deal with America as a whole were written at a time where black people weren't people they were property hmm. so a lot of the undercurrent of those laws still exists today so right. even though we a great documentary is 13th even though we have the 13th amendment there is a portion in there that says if you become a convicted criminal you essentially no longer are a citizen of America right. anymore the, the, this kind of thing, um, younger people would feel like slavery is so far detached mm-hmm. uh, from where we are in American history, but not really. In reality, it's not that far back not that, at all. that people had slaves As a matter America. of fact, the last reported case that I was able to find was in the deep woods of Louisiana, and it was in the 1960s that there were individuals still working on a farm as slaves and they didn't know that they had been freed for almost a hundred years. They're just deep in the woods. Uh, so my, my, my whole thing is I'm, I've been trying to discover my identity. My dad's black, my mom's white. So I'm trying to figure out what do I do? Cause there's a lot of jokes of like, Oh, half this, half that. And those mm-hmm. are fun jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're not, they don't really encompass me cause I'm, my dad's a full black person. and My mom's a full white person. So right. I get the pleasure of being, both at the same time. Right. So I mean, if I were to look at you and 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 guess what your ethnic heritage mm-hmm. would be, I have no idea. Confusing. Cuz you, well, you can look Latin American for all I know. I don't know. I would I get that so often. So many people speak Spanish to me. Or like a creole type. Oh, I love that. Right? I would love creole. They have the, yeah? the best accent. Cajun accents are my favorite. Uh, do they? Really? Yeah. Come on down and buy I don't. I don't know. There, there are certain accents that uh, that get you. Yeah. Like, like for instance, uh, a British accent. Yeah, I right? love. Uh, but like, sometimes I didn't have very many friends at a certain point when I was in school, so I was just going to talk to myself in different accents. And sure. Why is it that Americans or uh, us in the West mm-hmm. feel that if we hear a British accent, that it is something to be listened to? And, uh, and and paid attention to uh, and, and given some level of importance, right? If you, if you uh, like a commercial, yeah. for instance, someone's pitching a product. If it's a British person that's pitching the product, you're like, oh, it must be expensive, right? Or, yeah. oh, it's, it's like a, it's a high-end item, right? Yeah. Versus, I don't know, Southern accents. Oh, God, like uh, Duck Dynasty? Right. Yeah. Right. But even though those guys are millionaires. Oh yeah. Right. They're, they're uh, apparently they they did that whole thing for the show just to get money. Yeah. Right. So they they had like you know because like prior to that they they didn't dress like that. No. They just dressed like normal people. Because they had they already had a ton of money. They just wanted more money. I guess I don't, I don't know enough about the show, but but yeah, it's it's something about accents that either it can command your respect right away mm-hmm. because of whatever preconceived notion that you have, uh, or not. It goes go the opposite direction. I right. think that also go that goes back to preconceived notions, like you like you just said, like that mm-hmm. just things that we're taught that we don't know are a part of us, like Asian accents. Yeah, like if I were to do like some stereotypical Asian accent, right? It would be what would be the reaction? What would be the general popular reaction to that accent? I feel as though most people would be like, "Stop doing that," like, or learn it's how to like, speak "Yeah, learn how to speak right." Yeah, 
right? Which is discussed, which is way off base because they're currently speaking two languages and the people who are screaming, learn how to speak my language better, probably can only speak one. Right. So their intelligence is way higher than yours, <laughs> like way higher already, just off the bat. Right. Uh, and then and then you look at like um, like the South African accent, oh, which is, one. every time I hear a South African accent, I think villain. Yeah, I think it's like a, it's a vil, it's like a villainous character in a film. Yeah, <laughs> but South Africa, even though it's cool, it's a cool yeah. sound and accent. It's just like very villainous to me. I don't know why. I just that's just, that's the, maybe it was Lethal Weapon. That was uh, that's yeah, what it was. Lethal Weapon, the first one is the first one, I or the second it's the one. First one, right? Where the they're uh, South Africans go or or there to steal like uh, gold or something. I can't remember what it was. It might be the second one. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's that's the power of just inflection. Yeah. The speech. The right? way, and that I, I don't like people telling me that you have to watch the way you talk. I, I think people should be people no matter what. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to communicate with you, that's enough. Yeah. I, I, for me, I think it was uh, because my family and I immigrated here uh, in uh, you know late seventies, early eighties, that I, I was still a kid. But I think at at a young age, I was aware of how. I spoke how my parents spoke mm-hmm. the English language. And so I, as a child, I put more emphasis on language and English in yeah. school than I did any other subject, I think. Yeah. And I'm, by the way, I am the opposite when it comes to the stereotype of Asian people and intelligence <laughs> <laughs> because my math is not so good um, versus my English. I mean, you know, like I, I think that's what got me into college was because of, you know, my English test scores and my, you, and my essay. What did you study in college? I have a degree in landscape architecture really? from the University of Florida. That sounds yeah. dope. It was cool. Yeah. But, I mean, how I got into it, <laughs> and I'm going to have my buddy on the show, uh, my best friend from, from college. Um, I'm at the dorms and Hume Hall, I think it was, and uh, I, the guy right across the, I open the door and there's, an, you know, another door. And, and the guy there, he, he's like, hey, man, I just I just took a class. Is an easy A. It's an easy A, and I needed an easy A at that point. And he's like, intro to landscape architecture. You can't, you know, it's it's and it's fun. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm signing up, signed up for the class, and I, I got hooked. I loved it. Really. And um and actually after after college, I worked for a few years, um for um less than a hand well, full of um firms, but sitting in the cubicle sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it drains your life force. It drained my life force. Okay, and I and I I went crazy and I left. But um, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, anyway, what were we talking about again? Anyway, so so Swan City. Let's get back to it. Yeah. Back so to Swan, City. Swan City. So uh, you guys have you guys are a troupe. We correct? are a group of people who get together every month and play. We rehearse every single Thursday. Uh, the team started as just people I knew from college who all got together, and now we've grown. We have some performers from SAC who drive every month to come out and play with us. What, what's SAC? SAC Comedy Club is the one in Orlando. So it's the uh, or SAC Comedy Lab, I think is what it's called. It's where Wayne Brady got his start. Okay. So that's in Orlando. So. What happened to Wayne Brady? He does. Is he, um, is he around? He does that game show, uh, Deal or No Deal. He does. Deal oh, is no that what deal. he does? Yeah. Okay, I don't have I don't have cable or network television. So yeah, I, Drew I Drew Carey does Price is Right. And he I does Deal or No that. Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Drew got him that job. Uh-huh. He he had a short uh, he had a short stint as Aaron Burr in the Chicago production of Hamilton as well. So okay. like he did that for a little bit. Uh-huh. But most of his stuff is just I think daytime TV. Right. Talk 
not talk shows, um, comedy comedy game shows. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. That's yeah, really he's, a li- he's a likable guy. Yeah, yeah, super Wayne Brady. Funny. Like uh, from who, whose line is it anyway? Whose line is it, it anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple of Chappelle sketches. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that specific one. Yeah. <laughs> Does Wayne Brady? What is it? Does does Wayne Brady have to? Does Wayne Brady have have to kill a kill or smack one of the two? Does Wayne Brady have to kill a bitch or something? Something like that. Yeah. And it was just like everyone was just like, (gasps) Wayne Brady. (laughs) What happened to my Wayne Brady? (laughs) It's it's, it's not the same Wayne. It's Evil Wayne. It's Evil Wayne. It was such a funny sketch. It was so good. So good. It still holds up. Now that sketch comedy show still holds up. The Chappelle show is really good still. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things that he called out are coming to fruition, like all the R. Kelly stuff that he called out. Oh, that's right. Way he back did. when. He, he he was not afraid to call all that stuff out. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if he called Bill Cosby out at all, but the reason Bill Cosby's downfall is attributed to Hannibal Burris, another I heard, comedian. I heard Hannibal Burris is the one that, that brought it out first. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy that it requires comedians to tell the truth. It's kind well, of I mean, that they're, they're um, the best people to do it. Because they don't care. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're I mean, that's their livelihood is talking and drumming up attention. And exactly. Putting the spotlight on things that people don't want to really want to talk about. I've seen Hannibal Burris do. His, so I went and saw Chris Rock about two years ago mm-hmm. at the Chicago Theater. So super huge venue and opening for him was Hannibal Burris. And he had a screen behind him. So he put images up and most of his jokes were just him. Someone had posted about him on Reddit and he just he didn't really do a joke. He just talked about how that girl was an awful human being based upon what she put on Reddit and then played a video of him humping a Keurig and there wasn't a joke with it. And he was fully clothed what he was doing mm-hmm. it. But he, he just said, hey, now every time y'all see a Keurig, you're just going to think back to that time I was humping a Keurig. <laughs> and that was like, that was the whole joke. And now every time I see a Keurig, I do just think of Hannibal Burris uh, with a Keurig in a hotel bed. That's hilarious. It was, it was uh, crazy. Uh, Chris Rock's uh, last stand-up special. Tambourine? That was that was awesome. Very good. He's man. He's so good. Very good. He's, he's a master, right? Oh yeah. Uh, the and and I love and I use that that analogy um, of playing the tambourine of playing the tambourine. Yeah. Like in whether it's being in a relationship or being part of a team or being uh, you know what have you. Yeah. I mean, you cannot be the lead singer or the lead guitarist every day, all day. It's true. You're going to be the guy holding the tambourine at the end sometimes, right? Yep. And the, those yeah. roles always change, which is applicable to improv as well. You're mm-hmm. not always the person knocking down the punchline. You're not right. always the person making the laugh. Yeah. Sometimes you're the one who has to set it up for someone else. Right. Or just play a character in a scene to keep it grounded. So yeah. they're, they're the roles that you play when you're playing improv as well that matter mm-hmm. just as much as the tambourine does, where yeah. I need someone who's playing seriously. So that when this person plays a crazy character, mm-hmm. they're that much more funny. If you're both crazy, yeah, it'll be funny. Right. But, but it's, it's not as good. Exactly. It's, yeah, a it's, different not, it's not as good. Right. Yeah. It's, everyone's trying to, you know, you're basically stepping on each other's toes to get the get attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just going to kill the sketch. Um, uh, getting back to uh, the improv stuff. So you have you have you have people that are part of the, uh, the group. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, how do new people get in? So for right now, the way we do it, we, we tried auditions once, but that didn't end up going so hot for us. Why? Uh, it's a smattering of ability levels from all over the board, and it's hard to gauge how someone's going to play in a show 
in a couple of hours. Mm. So instead, I go and see shows in Orlando or in Tampa. And if I like someone, I'll approach them afterwards and say, hey, I have a team. We play monthly in Lakeland. Would you like to be a part of it? Mm. Just come to a couple of rehearsals so you can meet the team. We can get to know you and then you can come play with us. Right. Uh, I also just started classes. So I'm teaching classes every single Sunday. Nice. And that's where I'm going to start pulling more teammates from is these people that I've taught and I've played with and I've seen play and uh, they're the the people I'm going to start pulling from, which is good to keep it Lakeland centric mm. and not have to rely on people who drive two hours. Right. It could be an accident. It could be late. A lot sure. of factors in that. Whereas Lakeland, it's a much easier for them. Is, it, is there a way to do uh, like an open mic, but for improv? Yeah. There's well, an improv right? jam. So is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. It'd be someone hosting it and everyone gets a chance. It's The audience is all the improvisers as well. So they all show up and they just team up with whoever they want to play with. And I say, all right, here's a list. Write down your team name. When I call your team name, you come up and you get five or ten minutes to play. Mm -hmm. I'll call it and then we'll get the next team going. So it's the same as an open mic except you show up that day and you're like, hey, I want to play with you. Let's make our team name hot and cold or whatever it is. Okay. Cool. Hot and cold. That's who right. we are. Okay. And then I'll also join with a group of people over there so I know I can play twice. And we'll make a team name of Brunswick Stew. So whatever it is, you just remember what team you're part of and you hop up and you play with them. Right. Do you uh, do you guys uh, confiscate people's uh, cell phones and, and smartphones prior to the to show? We haven't had any problems with it yet because uh, most of us keep our clothes on for the show. Um, <laughs> so we, we're, we're trying to encourage people to use their smartphones to post about us and say, hey, right. we're doing this thing for right now. When, when I get to a point in stand-up where I'll be doing things that are more honest, which is my difficulty with stand-up now is being honest with what I think, what I feel. Uh, I'm turning that into jokes. When I start doing that with stand-up, then I'll be more cautious of like, hey, keep your cell phone away. I don't want to burn these jokes. I don't want anyone to see this material out of context of the entire show. Take that one piece and then say, oh, but turns out Nate hates white people. It's like, well, <laughs> no, like that's it's not true. Right. You just saw a portion of it where yes. I'm discussing yes. something about white people. I mean, we're 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 at the time right now where context. Mm -hmm is not valued. No, because you can't fit context in the 240 characters. That's dangerous. Yeah. That's really, really is dangerous. Yeah. Right. Where, whereas, uh, we're, we're nuance, um, again, context, uh, and the, the idea as a whole, right. Uh, no one's taking, or, or it seems like the public, whether it's the public's fault or it is, um, the media's fault. Yeah. No one's taking that into account anymore, or, or it's, it's hard to find that that is being taken into account. Whether that's the this due to the symptom of of the way social media works right now. I think it. There's a lot of factors. I think one of them that isn't brought up enough is our education as well. We're not. We're really not taught to have dialogue anymore. We're not taught to really sit and work with art or with things that people create as a whole anymore. All we're looking for now is can I get a quick quote to bolster my opinion? Mm -hmm. And s instead of seeing that, oh, that quote is part of a larger piece that goes against my opinion. Mm. Uh, dialogue doesn't happen. We just yell. We want our side to be correct, which is why it feels like there's more of a divide is because no side is willing to dialogue or compromise. It's either my way or get out. Right. And I will find some way to make my way work. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that does boil down to we're not educated on how to do that. Social media is such a new thing. We don't really know what its effects are on humanity as a whole to have. 
so people aren't paying attention to how that changes how we consume things. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will sit down and they'll binge 20 hours of television without batting an eye. Right. Because it feels like it's in smaller chunks. Yeah. But to get someone to sit through like an hour and a half documentary, they're like, ah, I don't I know. I love documentaries, man. I don't know. I love documentaries. My wife hates documentaries. I love, I love documentaries. I love um, too. The, uh, that's, that's a problem. Um, recently, <clears throat> Had dinner, my family and I. We, we had dinner with a uh, with another family friends of ours and their family. And and I, before going to dinner, um, I sat with my son. I said, "Hey, you know, you know, you're going to be at the dinner table, and you know, instead of when we go to the restaurant, instead of you know diving into the the whatever the coloring, the crayons and whatnot that yeah. the the menu comes with, the kids menu comes with. You know, you could you know have conversations with." the person or the people that are around you, you know, the other kids, if they're older and that's fine, but you can still, it's important that you talk yeah. and, and know how to carry a conversation and a simple way to do that. And I gave them a couple things to do, but, but I find that, uh, knowing how to communicate trumps or is equal to, uh, skills that are academic or, or, yeah. or professional. Because I mean that that really is it for for me as, as having a dojo uh, and having a staff is you know yes you are a good martial artist okay that is that is indeed perf- uh, uh, important yeah but you have to know how to communicate and to relate with the people that are around you and the people that you're there to to help if you don't have that man it's I don't have a job for you. <laughs> I don't have a job for you or, or you know, work with you to, to, to make that work because the yeah. social skills are so important um, to be able to sit down and carry on a conversation with, with whoever, whatever, wherever, right. Is, yeah. is, is a skill that, that is necessary. I agree. And in, in service, right. It's, and it, it seems as though it, that's also kind of going away too. Like it's, it's hard to get good customer service when you're oh, yeah. in a location from people They just, you're just not, not everywhere treats you well. I mean, you get great customer service at places like Chick-fil-A, but that's drilled into them. They're, yeah. That's part of their culture. Yeah. Their corporate culture. Yeah. It feels like a whole cult type thing. <laughs> no matter what I do, it's I've heard be some things pleasure. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard some, um, I don't know if they're true or not. Anyway, I don't want to besmirch <laughs> Chick Fil A, but um, I no, I mean, like, I, you know, Chick Fil A is 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 good, right? Yeah. They make an excellent chicken sandwich. I just wish it was more spicy. That's all. That's, do you that's, get that's the my thing. One? Is the, I do. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's yeah. still not spicy enough for me. Yeah, I get that. You know, I, I got I got to find Tabasco sauce wherever I go. Yeah. Or I carry it around like those little mini bottles. <laughs> yes, just in case. I, I busted one out during a, 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 a part of a Lakeland uh, South Rotary. I busted one out in the middle of dinner or the middle of lunch. And my, my friend that was sitting next to me was like, she was like, yes. <laughs> you got to have those emergency Tabasco I like Tabasco you a lot. <laughs> if that? you don't have the emergency Tabasco sauces, you have to eat bland food. And that's, that's right. That's not okay. That's not ne- That's unnecessary. No. Yeah. You got to spice. Um, oh, uh, you mentioned uh, in stand-up uh, honesty. Yeah. How you want to get to a place where you can be completely I guess I, and I'm and I'm I'm guessing here, but yeah. completely transparent yes. about your thoughts. Yeah, tell tell me about that. So most of my stand career, I was very conservative Christian. Mm-hmm. So it mattered less of being honest and more about being right. So my mm. jokes have to be on the side of uh, proper Christian belief and proper Christian thought, as well as being funny. 
So I'm trying to unlearn me telling jokes that are proper Christian belief. And also the, the way the microphone just slowly decided to quit on you. It's like, <laughs> just, it, it just dropped. It was like, yeah. okay, go ahead. Yeah. That was, uh-huh. that was really, it was Good very timing. sensual yeah, to yeah. watch. Well, <laughs> while I'm discussing about honesty and, and your mic is just that, like, I don't really care. No, no go, no, go for it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm unlearning all that. When I did my special, it, it was as honest as I've been in a long time. Uh, so I was using choice words. Uh, I w- didn't really dive into anything sexuality related. Mm-hmm. I dove into some racist things that I believe uh, need to be changed about how people look at life. Uh, but I was the most honest I've ever been. I didn't worry about being right. And I didn't know that my mom was in the audience. Mm. So I'm doing this show and I'm cursing up a storm. And that is just not something that's okay in my family. It never mm-hmm. has been. Mm-hmm. We've never, like, I had just started drinking at like 23. Mm. Just because that's you. how. Good for you. Which, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a positive, right? It's a, yeah. it's a decent age too. But yeah. the, the reason why it took so long is because I wasn't, it's not, it was, frowned upon like i could go to hell if i drink type Mm. thing unless of i'm making that decision because i want to make smart decisions right uh so there's just a lot in my family that growing up i have to unlearn about who i am but i did this whole show and i was doing it honestly because it was about maybe 20 or 30 of my close friends who were in the audience and a couple of random people i'd never seen before and i'm just doing me as completely and honestly as possible and it turned out really fun the special has a lot of heart to it. It's not necessarily the funniest thing you'll ever watch, but it definitely has a lot of heart. And a lot of it I made up on the spot because I'm terrible at writing. Uh, and at the end, I saw that my mom was there and everything in me just sunk. I'm like, oh, my God, I should have cleaned up a lot of what I was saying and all no, this shouldn't. stuff. I, no, you shouldn't have. That was my first That's thought. Your, that was your that initial, was reaction. initial reaction. Yeah, yeah. And I come downstage and my mom <clears throat> walks up to me and she's crying. And the, the context for this special, it's called Papa Don't Take No Mess because it's in honor of my grandfather who passed away a couple months prior to that. Mm. So uh, she walks up, she's crying, and she gives me a hug. And she just says, Nate, that was awesome. Wow. That was incredible. And she looks at me, she gives me a wink, and she says, that was some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I started crying and then she followed up with like, Hey, just you know, Papa would be very proud to yeah. know that you've done something like this yeah. in his honor. So that was a moment that I took a huge step forward knowing, oh, now I can say anything I want. Now in my family, with the exception of a couple family members who still work for a church, so they still have to remain reserved. Mm. Like I, I can say and do and kind of be who I want to be, which is super free. So now that I've got that side, it's time to put it back in the stand-up. Of now, I can talk openly about what I genuinely believe about race issues, which is very middle ground because mm-hmm. I am white and I am black. So I I see both sides, and they're both wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. I you know, um, call it uh, the culture of Polk County, yeah. um, which is di- which is diverse. It, it truly is diverse, right? I mean, they, people think <clears throat> stereotype Florida and Polk County. They think, uh, oh, it's just white people and mm-hmm. Sheriff Judd. Um, it's not. This is a. This is a. A boiler. No. What, what is it? Uh, what is the term? But where it's just melting a, pot. a melting pot. There yeah. it is. It's a melting pot of, of a lot of different ethnicities and yeah. communities that are. Um, and for people to be afraid of. Uh, reprisal. Mm-hmm based on you know for the for the content of of their thoughts i don't 
that's a, that's not a way to live. No, it really isn't a way to live. Um, you know, I'm I'm fortunate to to do what I do. Uh, you know, I teach. I'm a, I'm a martial arts coach. That's cool, right? I that's that's you know nobody's paying me for you know to be on a you know on a pulpit. Yeah. Right. Um. And I and I guess I have the luxury of saying what I want to say because I'm my own boss. I don't have an employer. No one's gonna fire you for stepping out of line. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would never step out of line. Uh, per se but people but, make mistakes when talking like sometimes right. you'll have a position where it's like it, you haven't necessarily thought it through but the, the moment demands that you speak about it yes so you speak about it yes. you end up being wrong and then you can say later hey i was wrong right but in that moment of wrong we just have a, a group or a culture where it's like hey you mess up once That's and right. we don't give you time to apologize i mean when when did conversation and hashing things out hashing out an idea mm-hmm. right in a public forum, when did that become a bad thing? Because I'll tell you what, I like having conversations with people uh, and and knowing that, you know what, the person sitting across from me knows that I haven't completely hashed this out. It's yeah. just an idea. And and I and with friends and the comfort of being with people that I that I know and trust, I like the fact that I'm I'm able to do that. Yeah. Right. Without judgment. Now, I mean, I say not completely without judgment. I mean, but without final judgment. Right. Right. Because I think that's what is missing. I think that that piece is missing. I sit sometimes I sit down and have conversation with people and I'm like, oh, you're holding back. Yeah. Not only are you holding back, you're holding back everything. Yeah. That's terrible. It's. I'm so used to holding back too. Like I'm just so used to to that because that's that's in some facets that's part of the religious culture. No matter what religion you are, there are aspects of yourself that are held back in the conservative sense. Mm. Uh, I I don't think there are probably people who aren't held back, and the conservative belief is for them. But that just wasn't for me. And I knew a bunch of other people where the the conservative aspect of religion definitely held them back. And I think it's all of us figuring out what works for us and realizing that it's more of an individual thing mm-hmm. and less of a collective group thing. You figure out your individual thing and then you as an individual find out what community you would belong to mm. and then have yourself in that community that you belong to and then try to find one that is opposite of what you would belong to. So then you're not staying the same. So it's mm. it's like I would I would insert myself probably into groups that, that aren't all about traditional Christian values and beliefs. That would probably be one that I would be in a community of, but then I would also want to be a part of a traditional one just so that I'm challenged of both sides, like what mm-hmm. I agree with and what I disagree that's with. A, that's a hard thing, man. That's that's difficult. Yeah, I, I haven't know? done it. That's an ideal. I'm, yeah. I'm just right, I'm right. speaking yeah. out like if I were a better person, that's what I'd be doing. But right. I'm okay being right now trying to still work out my own individuality because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. for so long I've been a part of uh, – conservative christian no celebrating halloween if you do celebrate halloween you can only dress as bible man really <laughs> yeah and then and then it's not called halloween it's it's called fall festival and you do cakewalks and and the kids don't get candy they uh they get an opportunity to share the gospel okay so there was a this what is, this is a great i've halloween never heard story. of this this is this is how i was raised Whoa. so uh i i never participated in halloween growing up and I'm you never so, went trick-or-treating not even once the first time i went trick-or-treating was in college at southeastern and 
even then it wasn't necessarily trick-or-treating. I just walked around in a costume and I didn't get any candy. So in my life, I've not been trick-or-treating even technically even once. Oh man, you missed out. I did big time. But what we did instead is... You missed out on all those shenanigans my, that you're in, you know, late, late, upper elementary, middle school shenanigans. Got to do none of them. <laughs> no tricks, no treats, nothing. Oh, okay. None of that. Right. So we would set up on our driveway Christmas lights lining the driveway to to invite people into our into our front porch and on the radio we would have a cd called plus one playing which is like the christian version of nsync okay uh, so they're playing we got the radio turned up we're all sitting on the front porch and people would walk up to us and they'd say trick or treat and we said instead of a trick and instead of a treat we're going to give you the gift of eternal life like this is I'm not even making this up. So, like, obviously, these kids at this point are like, okay, cool, they chose trick. And we're thinking, no, we chose the love of Jesus. So we would then circle around them, <laughs> and, and we would lay hands on them. After asking them, of course, like, hey, do you mind if we pray for you? Who's going to say no to this group of people <laughs> sitting on the front porch? Like, hey, can we pray for you? There's seven of us. Can we pray for you? Mm, there's only two of us. Yeah, we'll let you pray for us. So we circle and we lay hands, and then we pray the demons away. While they're there just asking for candy. And then instead of giving them candy, we give them an orange. And I believe at one point we gave them bottles of mustard. B- bottles of mustard? So my dad was a truck driver and he had an extra case of mustard. So we were just like giving away what we had extra of. So like, like yellow mustard? Like yellow mustard. Yeah. Like legitimate, <laughs> legitimate yellow mustard. Huh. And this was an average Halloween for us. This wasn't an out of the ordinary normal thing. It got to a point where no one would come to our house because they know... They're, they're not going to do anything, which is ironic because what we did was more cult-like than like what Halloween stuff purports to be. Whoa. Yeah, crazy, huh? You just blew my mind. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to turn that into a bit because most people aren't laughing at it like I am. Most people are like, wow, this guy has got some serious issues he needs to work through with therapy. Whoa. There's something there, though. Oh, there's definitely there's something, something there. there. There's something there. Oh, right? there's definitely yeah. something yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's it's an excellent story. It's so and it's real. weird. <laughs> it's so absolutely weird. Like, who does that to people? Who? What? Right. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that your family said, you know what? We don't celebrate Halloween, so we're going to turn off all the lights mm-hmm. and we're going to act like no one's in, in the house. No, we're it going was... to actively save these people. Like. We believed we were Power Rangers just without the cool suits or the powers. And Mm. all we could do was wait for someone better to show up and save them. And that better guy was Jesus. And we don't know if he really did. We just know if we prayed hard enough, he might. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It was super weird. Uh, But And the thing is, we weren't even the most conservative of families. And and I'm willing to bet you're... You are not the only one no. that has, has experienced something like this. No, I, I can guarantee you that when I start to talk about the specifics of it, there'll be people who are like, plus oh, yeah, one? Me. Oh, I grew up with plus one. Yeah, I've or, never heard of plus one. Or before. jump five. Or, um, never heard of jump five. Or the Barlow Girls. Nope. Um, let's see. These are all like bad rendition, bad Christian versions of actual groups. So like the Barlow Girls were the bad white Christian version of Destiny's Child. And jump five... I'm trying to think. They were they were like when the NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were young. Plus one mm-hmm. was like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Uh, all it's just this whole other world. That's like, a really strict culture that you. Yeah, very strict culture. Is it me, or am I seeing uh, on social media very like 
cool pastors and cool churches popping up where like Justin Bieber's pastor looks like a Abercrombie and Finch model guy <laughs> with, you know, yeah. cool hair and cool style and and he's hanging out with Justin Bieber and stuff. I they look cool but also they're all, it's almost like they're creating their own culture outside okay. of what normal culture is cuz how many people do you know on a normal basis dress like that or act like that? Act like what? Like the pastors that you see, like okay. the, the the Chad Veaches or the um, the I don't New know York, any of these guys. New York guy. The one you're talking about is um, man, I used to know him. I used to follow all these dudes. Okay, but it's it's almost like another subset of culture. So it's not like they're a part of what is what actual culture is. They're setting a different trend of culture, so creating able, their own exactly culture? creating their own okay. separate one. So you can you could probably pick out worship pastors and youth pastors in a crowd because they look so different from what other people are because they're, it's like they're trying to be what is cool, but it's not the same as what people normally dress as. I think I understand what you're saying. So like they, you, it's like, it's like someone, hold on, let me see if I can't put this in, in words. It's like, it's like someone in the crowd that's trying to be one of the crowd, but they're not, but they're doing the very extreme version of what they think the crowd is supposed to look like. Yes, 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 yes. Like they're taking it to the next step. Like someone's like wearing a mask yeah, almost. Like, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to put this human face on. So this is. Yes. Look at me. I'm cool. I'm grounded. I'm down to earth. Look at how I dress. I have Air Jordans. I have holes in my jeans. I have a denim jacket with the design that Justin Bieber wore on the back. You should come listen to my gospel. Look at what my gospel dress is like. That's what it comes off like hmm. to me. I'm not saying that's necessarily what's happening or what it is. That's just what it appears because I would rather a pastor who's dressed in like normal people clothing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what normal people wear, but okay. it just they stand out pretty well. Like you, you would, you know, it's like you your, it's like that. your dad decided that he's going to go ahead and dress yes exactly your your dad <laughs> that's it yes that's it's your dad deciding to dress in like popular clothes of right right now yeah like he he just got invited to the movies with you and your friends for the first time he's allowed to hang out with you yes and he's like well gotta look like them so he's just gonna do what you do normally but times 10 right and then try extremely to extremely manicured oh gosh yeah yeah like he thought out everything he's like well i saw you wear this denim jacket one time and all your friends said it was cool when they were over having hot dogs that i grilled out so i got my own i put a cool design on the back right. how about that huh that's what it feels like right yeah and then people around them were like what well the people <laughs> the people what? working for them are copying them so that's how they're creating their own cultures because okay. you have your volunteers and your worship leaders and stuff who who see that as the example of what I want to be so now mm -hmm. they dress like that and look like that so that's how they're creating their own cultures cuz in christian culture to create a disciple it's for you to just make a copy of who you are in someone else hmm? like making disciples is going making more of who you are for someone else to okay, do that. That's okay, like, that's right, what the okay. idea, and I could be wrong in this statement of what I'm saying, but that's right. what I was always okay, taught okay, is okay. to make a disciple is to teach someone what you've learned and kind of show them how you are. And naturally that person, the highest form of flattery is imitation will imitate you. And they will then kind of become a copy of you and do the same. Oh. And that's taught in discipleship. Okay. So that, 
And uh, yeah, so like I, I spent almost 24, 23 years of my life in the conservative Christian church right. as a leader, sometimes a pastor, sometimes what, like what, that. What happened? What, what made you say, what made you come to the realization, hey, I may need to reevaluate what's going on here? I mean, there's there's a lot of things that kind of led up to it, but the biggest one that really kind of kind of rang the death bell was diving into the side of me that was black that I'd never done before. When I wrote a one man show called Space: The Blackest Frontier, uh, I did a whole bunch of research about being black, about being black and white, about being mm -hmm. multicultural, how different that is. And then I realized that most of the laws in America and most of the way that scriptures and Christianity had been used was to the detriment of black individuals. Give me, give me an example. Uh, sin makes you black. Like, you, you become dirty, you become black. That is rooted within a racist idea from 300, 400 years ago. Okay. That was created as in these people are savages who need the word of God to become civilized because they don't already have it. Mm. Whereas the actual word of God says everyone has it. Everyone has the ability. Everyone's on the same playing field. But these people use the power of scripture to turn that into something bad. Another one would be the the sons of Noah, where when Noah took the ark over, his sons were the ones tasked with populating the earth. And I think it was Ham who was cursed, I believe. I could be wrong. I don't remember which son exactly. Mm -hmm. But it was Ham who was cursed. And then they then say that Ham was the black child of the family, like literally black skin, darker skin child of the family. Mm -hmm. So then that whole bloodline is cursed by God. Because Whoa. that's what scripture says, which is a racist idea masked by religiosity. Well, so, isn't, well, I mean, didn't I hear like at one point that um, historians think that Jesus was black? There's no way he, he couldn't have been darker skin. Right. There's no possible way. He I, mean, I mean, I mean, I look at I look at um, uh, paintings. Right. What is the stereotypical painting of Jesus? Every stereotypical painting is a blonde hair, blue eyed, white skin guy. Is he blue eyed? No, I, I don't I don't know how he could possibly have been any of that depiction because he was raised in an area where you get sun a lot and they didn't have sunscreen. So unless Jesus was sunburned the whole time, like that would have been awful. He had to be dark skinned in order to survive over there. All, everybody had to be hmm. like, look at look at everyone who's in that region of in, the world. What, what would be that region of the world that Jesus uh, like Israel, Palestine, right? all that area. But it, but is. They Israeli are people are white because right? of the influx of white Israelis from Germany. Huh. So like, okay. like you look at Saudi Arabia, you look at Northern Africa, you right. look at all that. They're brown, very brown, people, very brown and curly hair too. Yeah. Which they say his hair was like sheep's wool. I wool, believe. Right. Which that's not a long blonde flowy mane. That's a nappy weave. <laughs> like sheep's wool is nappy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. And now I'm completely confused. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and there are so many other, I, I have a bit about that in my special, I believe where it's like his, I mean, his first miracle was turning water into grape drink. So like, come on. Like that's a, also like he lived with his mom until he was 33. Right. That's another stereotype of black culture. Like you live with your family for a long time. <laughs> and then, and then the only reason he stopped living with his mom is because he was wrongly accused by the police at that time and then murdered by them so like he he had to be black he fits all the black stereotypes okay all right all right and that's clearly a bit but it's just it drives home the point that what what we are taught as what is truth isn't necessarily correct because so often people dig deeper and find that oh wait a minute 
actually this I mean is, you're, you're you're talking I mean that's that's history yeah right history is written by the winners right yeah. and yeah. the winners historically have been the white people all right yeah. the stronger people Dude, that's deep yeah so that the the biggest death bell was like this this book has been used so often against black people like it's what put black people into bondage in the first place mm. it was a lot of Christian theological talkings were about how black people were inferior to the rest of the world, which is interesting because when, uh, when everything started with them pulling them over as slaves, Africans had some of the most advanced cultures in the world at the time. Like you had Ghana, Mali, and I believe, I don't think it's Songhai. Is it Songhai? I could be wrong in that. Mm -hmm. Ghana and Mali, I don't remember the third one, but they were the richest countries in the world. They dressed very, 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 very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Everything was great until you had the British cultures come in and just screw everything up. And they found the poor people and brought them back as like, this is who everyone over there is. Look at them wearing loincloths. They don't even wear clothes right. Mm. Let's invade them and help make them better. Right. So they invaded and they ended up fighting against these really wealthy countries. It was like, uh, it was like, it was like Wakanda. Yeah. It was a Black Panther Wakanda. Ex exactly. Which was an awesome movie, by the way. I love that movie. I mean, it was like, like um, I, saw, I saw that film and I was like, man, they're really bringing like African-American culture like putting it on a pedestal. Afrofuturism. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was super cool. It was right? really awesome. But I mean, but but you know, getting to your point where you're saying I had that, uh, you know, there were there was affluence in or an affluent culture uh, existing, yeah. You know, prior to you know the British coming. Yeah. Um, okay. So 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 you read up on your race, yeah. Right, or part of your race because you're half black, half white, and so okay. So tell tell me what happened. Like once you once you hit that that death note, you will. Uh, then I became like a black militant. <laughs> I was super. You became a black panther, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I uh, I did this show, and then after that, every single conversation, every single stand up set, it's like I gave up trying to do comedy. And I was like, hey, listen, this is why everybody in this room is a racist, and all y'all need you to understand. You became that guy. Yeah, you became that guy. I became a hotep essentially, where it's like. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to tell y'all when you put us in chains, this is what happened when you did this. And everyone's like, hey, hey, hey. It's slow a, down, slow down, slow yeah, down. Yeah, calm, 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 calm down. And I took a conversation with my mom. She's like, yo, you're white too. And I was like, damn. Damn, you're right. So your your dad black or your mom white? Dad's black. black and my mom's white. Yeah. Which is also an interesting thing. In the multicultural world, who your parents are, like that influences how you grow up. The region influences how you grow up. So as a multicultural person, I, I could be friends with someone who had a white mom and a black dad as well, but they might have gotten divorced and the mom remarried a white dad. So now this kid who may be fair-skinned grew up believing as though he's white. And he could be raised in the South, which has a different way of interacting with black individuals than it does in the North. So there are all these factors that I didn't know went into multicultural, like being a mixed kid in a sense, right. that changes it drastically. And there's so many things that are different, which is why it's so hard. it was so hard for me to find someone who was like me growing mm. up mm. because it's so different. You got, you, you, I bet you got looks. I bet you got, you guys got looks. Oh yeah. Right. I'm like so grow, growing up and <laughs> I'm just so attractive. <laughs> I mean, you're, 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 here comes, here comes your family. Um, black dad, mm -hmm. white mom, you. Yeah. You're sitting at, uh, you know, having dinner. Oh yeah. Anywhere. Right? And people probably give you a double take. Yeah, because it, it was right. illegal to do that for a while in America. It wasn't until uh, Loving versus Virginia. There was a couple who got married in Virginia. 
Uh, I think it was in the 19, I believe it was the 1960s. It's a movie. You can watch it. Okay. Uh, Loving versus Virginia. It was illegal for a black individual and a white individual to get married. They challenged the court case all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Whoa. And this was in the 1960s. I, I mean, it might have been a little earlier. I don't remember that date specifically right now, but mm-hmm. that's how recent it was. So my parents got together in the 80s, uh, which is a little over 20 years after that law was overturned. So not enough to really change culture, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still like it was, it was people were doing double takes. Oh, people were yeah. like, are they supposed to be together? That's a black <laughs> dude right there, the white woman. I don't think I don't think they're supposed to be canoodling. Like that's that's the genuine belief people had to the point where my parents have a whole bunch of stories like this. But my dad sounds white over the phone or over the radio or anything like that. Like he just he sounds like a white man. Yeah. Uh, and to get the house that we live in that they currently have in Virginia, my mom would go meet the person and be like, yeah, sorry, my husband's so busy. Uh, but they would discuss everything with him over the phone. Mm. So the guy couldn't see who it was. Wow. So my mom signed all the papers first for the house, and then it they came time for my dad to come. Out. No, my dad no? came in. My mom had already signed, so the guy was going to cancel. He says, "No, that it's already halfway signed. I'll just go ahead and finish it off, signed it, and that's how they got the house." It was like this whole back and forth process, and they had to do that with a couple of different things that they did in their life. Where Whoa. it's like, my mom has to be the one to do it. My my dad has to stay back. Um, another, another story, my dad only wanted a baked potato after my older brother graduated high school. So we go to Wendy's to get a baked potato. This is in the town that we've grown up in. Oh, hold on, hold on, back, oh, back up. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. He, he did not want a baked potato. He prior? wanted a baked potato. This is all he wanted was a baked potato after my brother's graduation. Okay. And this, this ties into the whole, like my mom's white, my dad's black and how they see each other differently. Uh-huh. So we go to Wendy's. Everything's fine. My dad, he only wants a baked potato. So he orders a baked potato from the lady. And the lady behind the counter starts getting heated with my dad, and she curses my dad out. I don't exactly remember why, but then the manager comes out. My dad's like, look, if you don't get her out of here, I'm just going to have to call the cops on her because she's going off on me for no reason. Mm -hmm. So he sends her to the drive-thru, and we're still ordering, and the lady comes back and cusses at my dad again. So my dad gets irate. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't – He he shouldn't be treated that way. So he starts yelling. The cops get called, and, like, three state troopers, two sheriffs show up, all in gloves. They come into where my dad is. And they're like, sir, we're going to have to ask you to step outside with us. He's like, what do you mean? Me? She's the one who's like, who's cursing everybody else out here, mm-hmm. blah, 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 going on. He's like, you're going to have to step outside. So they, they take him outside and they're surrounding him and they're real close and it's getting heated out there. And I'm like, uh, let me guess, I am 12 or 13 roughly oh. at the time watching this. And it's my whole family. My older brother just graduated. So my mom's like, hey, you guys stay in here. I'll go take care of it. So she walks out and the moment she walks out, the officer's like, man, this has nothing to do with you. Just go ahead and continue to your car. And they're real tight on my dad. Mm-hmm. She says, no, this has everything to do with me because that's my husband. You're yelling at right there. Mm-hmm. And then they all backed up and they're like, Oh, you're with, Oh, you're her. with him. Or you with her? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, well then what's going on? And then they were able to listen to what my dad was saying, what my mom oh was saying, because God. there was a white woman there. So like it drastically changed the situation where my dad could have been another statistic of people who were shot for disrespecting officers. <laughs> so it's just fascinating how different it is. I, I couldn't imagine. It's crazy. I, I couldn't imagine. And like, that's what happened over a baked potato. He just wanted a baked potato. That's, that's all he it. wanted. That's just a baked potato. And the police were called over, over him wanting. Well, what was the, the what was the lady's deal then? The, the, the cashier or, or the person taking the order? She, she was just having a bad day. And I think, cause after it was a small town that we graduated in. So there probably were a bunch of people who had just come through the Wendy's. So she was sick of helping people and she was just giving everybody attitude. And my dad was the one who wasn't going to take the attitude. Mm. 
Oh, man. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, I, I run into it from time to time where you can, when you see someone working and you can tell that they've had enough. Yeah. That they, that, you know what, they, they've, whatever it is that's, that's going on, they, they've, they've had enough. They're just ready know? to go home. They're just ready to go home. And, and I look at them and part of me is like, what is your deal? Right. But then the other part of me, the, the better, the better half of me <laughs> says, you know what, this person's probably had a lot going yeah. on and they're put in this situation, whether they did it themselves or, or just life. Yeah. You know, roll, roll the dice and, and now this is where you are. It just gets heavy on you. Sometimes. So it's like, you know what? I take one for the team. I take I, I do that a lot by the way. That's a I, like good you thing. know what I, I take I take one for the team. That's a Let's good just, thing. Uh, and, and then I go rant at it, rant, rant, <laughs> my wife. rant about it with my friends and my wife. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean people, and, and that's a hard one because that's like it's like swallowing you know it's bitterness right. Yeah. You just, you just want to you want to lash out and you want to retaliate you want to be like what is your deal you know i'm here to, you know whatever any number of choice words that could be said and i run and i play that in my mind uh, quick or not or I, or, I, or, I, or i dwell on it and that and but then you know respond just, with some kindness yeah and, which uh, you don't yeah not a lot of people do often i i would like to say I try to do it, but I don't usually. It's it's the best move. It's it, it it really is the best move. Is as, as as much as you know as as uh, you know you you want to protect your ego, uh, you want to protect you know who you think you are, right? As a person, right? It really is the best thing to do is just take a breath, and say, hey, you know what? People have bad days. Respond. This person. This person's having a bad moment. Let's just go ahead and try to kill him with kindness and, and move on. See, I stop yeah. at the part where let's just go ahead and try to kill him. I don't add the, <laughs> I don't add the with kindness. <laughs> I just think let's kill him. That's let's just it. kill him. Kill him right now. Um, but it's, it's hard, man. Yeah. And, 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 you know, later on in the day you think about it, you're like, God damn it. I should have just really laid into him. Yeah. You know, I could have given them my piece of my mind. Um, friend of mine, uh, Jason uh, Jacobs, he runs the Lakelander. He he That's says, cool. you know, he gave me a a good one, um, and now I completely forgot what he said. <laughs> 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 but he ha- he had a good one. It's it's uh, but you know he went to talk about like a, you know when's the last time that you went into an argument with someone and they agreed with you? True, it doesn't happen. No. I mean, it's so rare. Right. Well, it's uh, I, and at the point I said, yeah, maybe one in a hundred someone will agree with you. But it's not even that. It's probably one in a thousand. Yeah. You can get a thousand arguments with somebody that you don't know and they're going to stick to their guns till the cows come home and you're going to stick to your guns and that's going to be the end of it. Nothing, nothing will have gotten resolved. Or you could you, you could kill them with kindness. Yeah. And I hate using that term, but it is true. Yeah. Where you, you, you show the best part of yourself and hopefully by you doing that later on that they'll think back to be and 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 their actions and 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 in retrospect say i could have done better at some point it'll help someone else down the line right right because it's easy man i mean i'm korean we get angry (laughs) korean people get whoo that switch can just just you flip it and man we go off but 
I don't know. What does it solve at the end of the day? It doesn't solve anything, and it it really doesn't. Elevated blood pressure for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm in my forties. I can't be having that. No, not at all. <laughs> Watch out for that stuff. <laughs> hey, we're we're going on an hour and ten Deal. minutes now. Deal, dude. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having this me. Was this was awesome. Was hey, uh, how how do people find you? They can uh, find me at thenateflemming.com. They can find Swan City Improv at swancityimprov.com. Uh, we have Instagram, Swan City Improv, Facebook, Swan City Improv, and once a month you can catch our shows, which are super family-friendly, every single first Friday at 7.30 p.m. and 9 p.m. at Lakeland Live, which is in downtown Lakeland, the building between Jimmy John's and Crispers, nice. right by the railroad tracks. Nice. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the JJ show brought to you by Karate Beyond Discipline Focus Confidence karatebeyond.com Martial arts classes for men, women and children. After school pickup, evening classes and summer camp. Visit karatebeyond.com